Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside-the-box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. Well, everyone, you guys are in for an incredible treat today. We have founder of Q10 Property Advisors, Stephanie Graves. Stephanie, welcome. Hi, great to see you. Great to see you. I've been looking forward to this conversation because I am curious about a lot of the things that I'm going to ask you today. And I also know that our audience is going to benefit. So maybe to kick us off, could you tell us a little bit about the current role that you're in and what a typical day looks like for you? Wow. Yeah. So I um, I run Q10 Property Advisors. We're a third party property management company. Uh, we do some consulting, kind of owner consulting, due diligence soup to nuts, kind of standard third-party management services. Um, I also am uh, pretty active in the apartment association, the local apartment association. So that takes up a great deal of my day. Um, some some days are better than others, right? Um, all <laughs> things. Um, so we have about 135 employees at Q10, wow. about 35 properties in the Houston area. And um, we just got our first one in San Antonio. So, oh, so now we might actually get to maybe <laughs> yes I was going to mention that I was like hey maybe I get to actually see Barbara that um, be so wonderful yes yes so um so yeah typical day is kind of figuring out what the financials look like talking to owners managing people problems um you know property management is easy people management is what we spend the majority of our time doing so goodness man you said it well so did you guys was it in 2015 that you started the company yeah So it's been about seven and a half years. Um, You know, I had worked for various companies and done various things and then decided that we would start our own company. And we started in July of 2015 and then kind of have just grown over the years with our uh, biggest growth kind of in the last two years during the COVID era. We know there's been lots of movement with assets. And so that's kind of um, kind of how how things are working for us. Well, congratulations. You know, most startups don't make it out of their first year. The majority don't make it out of the fifth year. So I'm I'm so happy to see that. And I'm just curious, what was the motivating factor to leave the corporate position that you had and to start your own property management company? Um, so, you know, when I left uh, the corporate world, I decided that I would, you know, this is how you and I met. I decided I would go do training and, and marketing and travel around and do that fun stuff. And then uh, remembered what it was like to wake up in different cities and not remember where I was. Yeah, <laughs> I can relate. Yes. And decided, you know, this isn't for me. I have a daughter. I don't want to do that. And um, I had a, a partner at the time and we had some clients that said, hey, it hasn't been the same since you have it managing our assets. Could you come do this? And, you know, the same reasons that I struggle right now with with doing property management are the same reasons why I was like, no way, never you know, you've got owners that call you at three in the morning and want to know about why their pool is green and those sorts of things. Um, so, uh, so, you know, our goal initially was just to really provide a flexible work environment. And it didn't start as like female owned girl power, but it kind of has evolved into that as we have more and more females in executive roles that have flexibility that they need that didn't have that before with larger companies. 
I love hearing that because in a way it mirrors my story. I too, I, you know, I did the speaking circuit and I loved connecting with the audience, but I hated being away from my husband for, you know, it's like people think it's glamorous, but when you're not with your family, it loses a little something. Yes. And we're the same boat. We didn't start out trying to be female. You know, we just were, we were just two women founders. And then, you know, there's a lot that comes without families and children and things like that. And you know, women have a lot of responsibilities outside of nine to five. And I think that's wonderful that that has been something that you've carved out for not just yourself, because a lot of times you want it as the founder, but if you want it, you know, that your employees want it too. Absolutely. And, you know, it's challenging in this industry when it's, it's 24 hours a day, right? right? And, And to have flexibility when you're servicing residents on property and you need to be there. We learned more in COVID than we have in a very long time about what that flexibility looked like. Right. You know, and because I think it's a, it was a blessing, right. And a curse because we saw that you, it was possible that you had some remote hours at home Mm -hmm. and you could still balance what you needed to balance, but with schools closed and kids sick and all of those challenges, I think it also helped us to be able to point out and show our ownership that, um, our owners that we, that we manage for, that we could have that flexibility where the offices didn't have to be open every single hour of the day. And they could be closed and we could balance that um, from afar. So it was a blessing to help work on our core values of flexibility and those sorts of things. Um, But then also, you know, we know the challenges that came with the last couple of years. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. There was definitely opportunity that presented itself. And it kind of, I always think about like, you don't know what is possible until you're forced to know sometimes what is possible. And then it's like, and so we just, you know, we even had sometimes babies on the laps while we were doing <laughs> Zoom meetings and just different things. And we ended up finding that we loved just having a little bit of a lighter approach to doing business and realizing that we're not really humans that compartmentalize. We kind of integrate, but you still had to figure out boundaries because they were still necessary. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in one of our leasing offices, we had a single mom that um, we actually set up a desk in her office and the kids were doing remote from there because they were too young to stay at home. Like I was blessed that my daughter could stay home when I was off on property, but some of them couldn't. So we literally had, you know, desks set up in some offices so that we could have that balance between making sure the kids are doing remote work and making sure that they're safe and not burning the house down. Right. So <laughs> yes, you don't want them to burn the house down no, and, when, no. and being a property management, you know, that that is definitely yes. a possibility. Fire is a no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm curious then what have been maybe unexpected or even expected challenges in this venture of starting your own company? Um, I think the biggest challenge is not is working in the business and not on the business. Mm-hmm. And you know any leadership uh, or ownership uh, training that I kind of take through different entities it's always that. I find that business owners always have the challenge of working on the business of growing it and making sure that it's sustainable over the years and not concentrating on the little tidbit things that you can contract out. And so that's really been a challenge for me. I haven't focused as much on what does it look like in strategic growth or what does it look like to set up strategic, you know, to-dos or, um, you know, uh, uh, structure. It's been more of like, you know, chasing your tail at some times and me walking units or me doing budgets. You know, when you own a company, you can't, that's not sustainable. And so that's been a real challenge. Um, And then just the pressure overall, when you really start to think about, 135 employees that you need to provide for every month. Wow. You know, that, that to me is a heavy burden to carry. 
you know, we lost a client early on that was about $20,000 of revenue a month. And I had to do a serious like reflection on what's going to happen. Like, am I going to terminate somebody? Am I going to, and you know, as a business owner, you have to make the decision. Like I didn't want to terminate anyone because I knew that we would grow the business again. And I don't want to lose that great employee that I had to, you know, terminate. So, you know, I had to take a pay cut. And so, you know, for six months, it, there was no income coming in for me. So, um, you know, that's important too, as you think about what that looks like from a business perspective and owning a business, having a support system in place and understanding the responsibility, you know, maybe some people, it doesn't bother them to be, have to terminate someone. But for me, it was a, it was a big deal. So, you know, you need to have a support system and you need to realize that there's some sacrifices in that glory that you think is owning a business. Absolutely. I think that's the, that's the weight that nobody tells you about when you start. And that's why I think, you know, being really careful who you hire, when you hire, because it is a huge responsibility that somebody's livelihood is attached to your performance. And I, I definitely can relate to that feeling. And, and it's true, you know, when you're the business owner, you many times are wearing two hats, you're the visionary, and you're supposed to be the one that's scaling the business. But a lot of times you're in day-to-day -day operations. And so it is a challenge to um to do both. So I I applaud that you are you are in it in the trenches too. Yeah, walking units today, actually. So <laughs> wow. Okay. So let me ask you then over the years, I'm sure there were skills that you picked up along the way that prepared you for this new venture. What do you think some of them um were like in hindsight looking back that you're like, man, I'm glad I did X and now understand this? Yeah. You know, one of the, I started on the development side, not necessarily on the management side, which is different for many people. You know, I started with budgets and performance and running numbers for lenders. So, you know, I had that background that was necessary to understand what my owners are looking for, right. Understanding that it's all comes down to distributions and it all comes down to how they're going to make that lender profile work. So I think that was super helpful, that mm -hmm. experience that I had. And the other is, and I tell people this, like you need to be a little bit good at a lot of things. Yeah. And, you know, it, I had a, a mentor early on that said, you know, I was marketing for a little bit and she said, you know, Stephanie, you can be great at marketing, but marketing is a red line, red line on the financial. <laughs> yes. And uh -huh. so, you know, yes, you know, right. Like mm -hmm. cut, cut, cut. And so when it's really not, but that's how we're treated. Right. And so, and training as well, like, okay, we can do without that. So mm -hmm. she's like, you can be great at training and marketing, but you have to be versatile so that if we cut that department, we can put you on property or we can put you in financials. So you've got to have breadth in your knowledge rather than depth in one particular area. And it makes you more marketable. It makes you able to manage and, and own and understand all aspects of the business. That's the key. You know, a, a property manager can be great, but if they don't know anything about rent collection, they're not going to be successful. And that's the same, the same thing with us, right. As business owners, yes. you need to know a little bit financials and a little bit about tax law and a little bit about accounting and a little bit about people management, right. All of those things added up together, make you much more marketable and successful when those challenges hit as a business owner. I love the fact that you said that it's a, a, a the part of mark, making yourself more marketable because the podcast is marketing home, marketing you. A lot of people don't think of themselves as their own brand, not realizing that, hey, at some point you might not be doing the role that you want and you want to be down the road somewhere else. What have you done up to then to kind of gather all these little skills that are going to make you marketable? Yes. I mean, it's great to be proud where you work. You know, we wear Q10 apparel everywhere and that's great. And it's great to be proud about the company that you come from, but 
we really internally within our organization work on individual skill sets, right? And figuring out what makes you marketable. We pay for education. We do those things because yes, it benefits us that you're more knowledgeable, but we want you to look at this as a serious career and you being, yeah. And you know, you may leave, you may find a better situation and you may take the skills we teach you and leave. That's not our hope. But if you don't equip your people, Henry Ford said, you know, the worst you can train your people and have them leave or worse, you can not train them and have them stay. And what is that true? Oh my goodness. That's so true. And I see people that are like, I don't want to train because I don't want them to take my job or to go to the next level. But I think that that philosophy that you said is so key that inspiring people, most people, the more that you, they see that you're investing in them, the more loyal they become to you because they see that you value them. So So in talking a little bit now, you know, about the roles we talked even before off camera, just how it can be challenging, just multifamily. I mean, in general, we know, like you said, it's a 24 seven, like there are no days off, even on days off Mm -hmm. as, as someone in your position, can you give some advice? How can a property manager that wants to be successful and wants to be good at her career kind of balance the demands, but without burning out? Because we're hearing a lot about mental health burnout. We know it's like a thing. So what would you say to someone? So, you know, we had a, had a call this morning. I've got, you know, 10 properties that are under 92%. 92 is kind of our threshold of warning. Will Robinson right. warning. So we had 10 properties this morning that were on a call. And I was like, I don't want to be on this call with you. I want to be on this call with you to celebrate successes, right? And I think the biggest challenge is understanding that you have got to put the work in to make the job easier. So if you're not creating... um a routine of things to get done and putting your own systems in place, you are constantly going to be chasing your tail. So, I mean, simple things like opening up your desk and it's a disaster, like no pen, right? Like all of us have that leasing story where we're visiting a leasing property and someone comes in and we're like, Hey, and we open up the desk and there's no pen. And you're like, how are you even functioning? And so, you know, 90% of the time when I go on property, when there's an occupancy problem, it's a people problem right? It's, it's, and they don't have, they haven't created an environment to be successful. Right. So, you know, understanding that while you may have policies and procedures at your company, making your work environment as less stressful as possible is going to make you successful. Mm -hmm. Um, because unfinished projects is the number one cause of stress that pending to-do list that you never get to is what's causing you that stress. So, um, and I think the other thing is understanding the things that you want to do aren't necessarily the things that you should be doing, right? Like I want to go help with a mini model because that's fun, but that's not necessarily where I should be spending my time because that's not going to create less havoc for my office when I get back. Mm -hmm. So figuring out where you should be spending your time and where you want to spend your time and then having that balance of, I want some fun. And so I'm not going to totally turn off that, but I'm also going to make sure that I'm spending my time where it makes, makes the most sense. Oh my and gosh. You, you got to equip your people. Like, you know what I mean? If you're a manager and you're not delegating, you, you're never going to succeed. You want your job to be easier and you're not going to help those people grow. There's so much wisdom in what you just said. I want to unpack that for a minute. So the first part I love about the systems, I think sometimes property managers don't think that this is almost like your own little business and you've got to set up your own you know, systems. I think it was James Clear that says like, you'll either rise or fall by the quality of your systems. And I think that's so true. So mm-hmm. I, I love that. It could be from the most simple, your pen. I think that was such a good example because people think, 
well, that's not a big deal, but it's a, it's a point of friction. Don't you think? Absolutely. Those, I tell people all the time, the small things are going to like running out of paper in the copy machine. And then you run out of paper in the copy machine. And then you look in the, in the, in the closet and there's no reams left. What does that do? Like it's only a ream of paper, but it's caused all of this chain reaction to not be able to print leases, to not be able to write that one thing. So figure out the the things that are causing that friction in your office that can, I mean, there's small things, not having a stapler, not having a scanner, a check scanner that works. You know, we accept those things as we're just going to get through them instead of making it more productive for yourself. Those little things make a huge difference. That's huge. I, I always tell the teams, um, keep a frustration list one week and just see, like, it can be something so simple. Like it can even be personal. Like I, I keep one. And so like last week it was not having an easy meal at home after a stressful day. And it's something so simple, but what was, what's nice about keeping a frustration list is at the end of the week, you figure out how not to repeat the same frustrations, you know, again. And I think that that's exactly what you're talking about. And I also loved what you said about not always doing what you love. We see managers, even when they're like trying to design their own flyers, they love it. They think it's so fun, but by the end, they've spent three hours designing an an invite for a flyer. And it's like, I mean, that's something anyone else could do. And they don't really think of like, what is it that only I can do? So do you train your teams or do you talk about that a lot? Like kind of to focus on like, what is your highest value work? Yeah. You know, and it's challenging because you're, you're constantly going to get um, resistance. Like this morning on this call, one of the, one of the girls was, I said, what do you need? You know, I have 10 people on this call. What do you need? Because if your occupancy is hurting and you don't know what you need, we have a real problem, you know? And she said, well, you know, um, I want to be able to get on, I'm not on my Google. I can't respond to my leads and reviews and questions. And I said, okay, you, that you are at, if I, I said, I'm responding to those right now. And if I give you that, I'm adding one more thing to the list of things you have to do. Do you really want to do that? Or are you using it as an excuse that you can't get to that, right? Mm-hmm. Is your best use doing that? And is it my best use too? Like that's a whole other question, <laughs> right? But, um, you know, balancing that and, and yeah. trying to get them to understand that you're more valuable than you give your yourself credit for. Yeah. And I think there's times, like you said it perfectly, there's times you just have to do it because it's got to get done. But there is that constant reevaluation of where is my time best spent? And I think you're training people to start thinking, you know, like an owner. Um, I think that segues actually perfect into my question because I find a lot of times a challenge that property managers have just from my own experiences they want to really consider the residents. People got into this business because they love people and they want to take people into consideration, but they're also trying to figure out how do I make decisions that would still make my owner and management happy while appeasing my resident. Is is that even possible, do you think? Yeah, you know, some of it is about your ego as a property manager, I feel like. Like you you don't want to be seen as wrong. And sometimes it's okay. Like I tell them, I'm like, I, I... I don't, I, we want a non-conflict. Anything we can do to remove conflict from the resident is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. But when you're making those decisions, you need to say like, maybe it's um, enforcing car insurance on property. Like they want, like, I need proof of your car insurance. I need, do you really need proof of the car insurance? Cause it's a law that they have to have insurance. Right. So if they choose to break that law, that's their responsibility. Like, do you want to have this conflict where you're not going to issue a parking permit because they don't have insurance when 
is that really necessary to end? Right. right? So like those sorts of things, I think we, we try to make decisions to avoid conflict at all costs. And sometimes you hear managers like, well, they got to have it. Like what, why not? And so having them pick their battles, mm-hmm. you know, what be a hero today and just say, you know what, I'm going to take care of this late fee for you. So that way you can get the groceries that you need, because I know it's expensive. Is it worth it in the end? Like, right. you know, so, but some, you know, some, I do know that some companies don't allow that you don't have right. that freedom. So figuring out the freedom levels that you have to create, you know, a situation where the residents don't feel like it's the worst situation and the owners are appeased, right? It it comes down to expectations, right? understanding what the expectations of your owners and your managers are and how do we come to an agreement? Yeah. Um, and I find that honesty is always the best policy. So you just say like, hey, they haven't been laid and I wanted to give them a deal and I wanted to look like a hero because she told me she couldn't afford chicken nuggets for a kid. Right. Like what owner is going to say, no, you charge the light fee. <laughs> right. Okay. I, I think that's such a good point. It's like two things can be true. You can have an owner's best interest and you can have a resident's best interest. And there can be an, in, in the middle, you know, kind of a ground. Do you yeah. think it's okay for a manager? Like you talked about how you guys do have some of that flexibility with your company, but say you're in a co- company that doesn't, you know, do you think it's okay if you're a manager and you're starting to see, hey, this similar scenarios keep coming up and me being kind of handicapped is, is hurting me. Do you think like you as an owner supervisor, how would you have felt if a manager came to you and said, hey, I'm seeing this scenario. I think there's a better way to deal with it. I'm open, but I just wanted to bring this to your attention. Would you be upset about that? Uh, love it. Like, please, you know what I mean? Like, please, please, please. I don't we can, you are managing your asset. You are an owner of that property and I'm not there all the time. Right. So you, it is your duty. It's not only like, it is your duty to be able to say something and say like, Hey, this is what I'm seeing as a pattern. People don't want to, we have this going on. Some of our properties with this technology fees, people can get their own nest thermostats. They can get their own locks, right? Like they don't want to pay an extra $50 every month when they can pay 125 and get it themselves. Yeah. So, you know, I know that all the tech companies are selling it to the ownership, but in reality, it's our duty to tell the owners. It's our duty to tell our supervisors, this is a challenge. You know, does it matter? Are they going to stop? Who knows? But it certainly is our duty to be able to tell them that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's good. I think that's one of the biggest things I want to advocate for managers. They sometimes feel very stuck in a thing, in a situation and feel frustrated. And it's, it's like, all you can do is ask, present a solution. I was a supervisor too. So I never was mad. Even if I didn't go with that suggestion, I was always so thankful. Somebody brought a suggestion instead of a problem. And that they cared. You know what I mean? Like to me, it shows that you really care about finding a solution and care about the property and the residents and my needs. Like, Hey, I don't want people to move out. And I'm finding that all these people are moving out because of X, Y, Z, you know, if I think it's also important, sometimes they forget that data is important. Right. So, right. Like when they're telling you all day long that the reason why people are moving out is because the tech fee and I pulled a move out report and it says buying a house, that's the data is not supporting that. Right. So make sure that the story is a congruent one and it, you know, and that the data supports what you think is the problem. That's a beautiful point. I remember when I was in advertising, people would get something cut and the owners would say, well, your report says like you didn't get anything, but they were just doing, you know, drive by or curb appeal. So everything would get cut. And then all of a sudden the traffic would dry up. And so I think you just said a great point is like data to, to back up everything with ownership, 
management companies, we want to see data and then be able to make decisions based on that. And it gives you a sense of, okay, I'm coming here with real facts, being able to back up my argument. Yeah. And sometimes the most immediate thing that's happened is what you think it is. Yes. (laughs) And when you go back, right? Like, I'm like, oh, everybody's leaving because that's, and then I'm like, well, let's go look at the last six months and see if that's the case. Right. This 30 day notice was a good one. You know, you have to give a 30 day notice instead of a three day. Uh And we had a property refi and the person was adamant that when we had to start giving 30 day notices was when the delinquency went up. And I was like, okay, Let's go look at the delinquency pre 30 days and let's go look at the delinquency post 30 days and see if that's the case. And guess what? No pattern. No. I <laughs> think it's human I mean? nature. It's like yeah. the last thing that happened is what we do that. What it is. We have it in our team too, where they'll say, oh, everyone is upset about this thing that we changed yes. the website. And I'm like, really everyone? We go back and it's one or two people. I don't really like the way that this layout is. And I'm like, okay, we have thousands of people. Everyone is not two. But I think that's a great point about thinking also like an owner is really making sure that it's not a gut feeling like gut feelings are good sometimes, but yes. in those situations, you're so right. It, it needs to be hard facts. Yeah. We have a term called flexible intelligence that we use frequently. And um, I'm always advocating like, okay, so let's use some flexible intelligence here. Do we think that that's really what she meant when she said, don't ever, you know, make sure you charge this to everyone. Like, do you think that's what she meant? Or do you think she wants to give you some flexible intelligence to make sure we're making the right decision for the people that are here? Yeah. Okay. I'm swiping that. I love, <laughs> I love that phrase. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So somebody is new to this industry. They don't know what their career path is going to be. Do you have any words of advice for someone that knows they want to be in this industry? They just don't know where they want to end up. Yeah. I mean, I cannot advocate enough, you know, obviously I'm biased because I'm, uh, I'm very active in the Houston apartment association and what that means and entails. And I'll be president next year. So we'll have a fun time. Um, and, but to me, the apartment association gives you a well-rounded approach to the apartment management, you know, whether it's a basic leasing one-on-one class or whether it's just going to an event, you can see the multiple um, levels of supplier partners, owners, leasing agents, you can really see an overall idea of what apartment management is. Um, and so that has been, I mean, instrumental in my career because I could really network with people. Um, it's an open industry too. So you can see what the challenges are. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, to me, that's been, that is a way to really see what apartments are about. Yeah. And it gives you, like you said, like not just one, you may not want to end up on the management side. You might want to be on the supplier side. So, I mean, I think you're so right. It's, and I love that. It's like, you were talking about even the training classes, you're not learning from just one person that might have one perspective. You're literally learning from experts of different fields, whether it's a fair housing from a lawyer that is dealing daily with fair housing or, you know, Excel spreadsheets. I mean, there's, there's such a wealth of, of knowledge there. I think you're, that's a great piece of advice. And it's reasonably priced, right? Like that's the other thing it's reasonably priced. And if you're, so to me that the, the, and just the networking capabilities yeah. where you can meet other people and hear about, Hey, is your traffic down this week? Cause I'm not leasing anything and you can really see what's happening in the industry. 
Very much so. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I know you guys are in a big growth period. So I want to ask when things are chaotic and I know that you've got a, you know, you have a daughter, you have a business, you have so much that you're juggling. What do you do to recenter during the times that sometimes it's unavoidably chaotic? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's varied over the years. Um, but you know, the last six months have been really crazy. I've got some personal stuff happening with my family and, you know, the business growth. Um, and for me, it's been working out. Right. Yeah. And yeah, like taking that, I started working out recently at this place called hot works and they're 15 minute intervals. Nice. And so, you know, for me, it was always like, man, I got to commit to a, a, an hour, right? Like how can I get away for an hour? And so finding what you can get away, you know, I mean, 15 minutes, are you kidding me? If I can't do 15 minutes, then there's a problem, right? right. Um, so, and, and then finding those luxuries that they, like, I, I go to Starbucks every morning, Yeah. every morning without fail. And that means I probably won't eat lunch, but you know, for me, it's going in and having, like, I know that I'm going to have coffee and a sandwich, and I know that I'm at least going to start my day with the meal. Because, you know, in property management, who knows what's going to happen by lunchtime, right? <laughs> right? Your right? own little rituals that are are kind of re replenishing you. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. So, and, and the other times it's just, you know, we're lucky as women and I feel bad for guys because, you know, women get together and they do that little caddy, right? Yeah. Complain, complain, complain. Um, <laughs> it's you know, constructive complaining is what I like to call it. Yes. And it's, it truly is therapy you know, when you're sitting there like, oh, my husband, this, or my job, this, or my employees, this, right. And then you're hearing, you know, people that have the same or worse struggles than you do. And, you know, sometimes I'll just call my girlfriend and be like, I don't want you to say anything. I just want you to listen. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to scream and yell. And so you've got to figure out what your outlet is. If it's even just like 15 minutes to do things, but if you don't try to recharge and exit this, you know, exit the environment you're in, it can, it can be a perpetual downward spiral for sure. Like I've had those weeks last week was one of them. And yeah. I was just like, you know, it, it, it just, it gets overwhelming and you I feel like, yes, very challenging. Yeah. You know, what's so good though, is that I, I think that one definitely complain to your girlfriends over your husband. They're much more understanding, <laughs> yeah. but yes. too, even for me, this podcast, like even you and I talking a few minutes before, you know, you see things on social media is so easy to think everyone else has it together all the time. And the reality is, I think this is a message I try to always say, especially on my Instagram, no one has it together all the Absolutely. time. Even yeah. if you think people look polished and together, we're all, like you said, if it isn't personal, it's that you're hurting for someone else or you're, you know, I mean, there's always things. And I, I agree, even having this conversation, I feel like, okay, some of the things I might be going through, Stephanie as a business owner, she's going through those too, but here we are, we're still you know, you can still find joyful things throughout the day that connect you to others. And I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I appreciate you kind of doing this because it does provide an outlet for people, right? Like, oh, I mean, I, I tell people like, sometimes I'm, you know, how are you? I'm great. And then other days I'm like, I feel like the wheels are falling off the bus. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm not even sure it's a bus. It may be a tent at this right. point. Like I don't even, you know, or it, some frequently it just feels like a house of cards, right? Yeah. One client's mad at you and you feel like everybody's mad at you or one right. employee quit and you've got no employees. No good employees. 
Oh, yeah. but isn't that true? Like what you were saying, just what we teach our team to not have that all or nothing thinking. It's like, you have to remind yourself of the same, like one bad interaction doesn't mean that my business is bad or my relationships all stink or whatever. It's just, but it's, it's a, it's that constant reminder. Yeah. And people like, you know, you've got to have friends, you've got to have people in and professional colleagues as well that can give you a reality check. Uh, oh. That certainly helps. Absolutely. Okay, Stephanie, I knew this was going to be value packed. Now I just want to ask you a quick fire, a few questions that are kind of just more um, off the cuff. Okay. Okay. So routines, uh, do you love them? Hate them? Can you share? Do you have a morning or evening routine that you really like? Yeah. So we, I shared a little bit about Starbucks. I got to go to Starbucks in the morning. I'm going to show up all the time with, with my coffee and my drink. Um, and, and I have a routine, um, with how I visit properties. Okay. Um, so, you know, the frequency on which I visit, um, but you know, we're not, I'm not a big routine kind of person, which is probably not a good thing. Oh my gosh. I would not have thought that I would have thought you were very routined. No. Yeah. I mean, no, maybe I, you know, that. so the, sometimes it's better to ask other people, right? Like, do you think Stephanie, you know, so well, I'm going to ask that question. You seem very like structured. So I thought you'd be routine, yeah. but I don't, I guess have to be the same thing. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Bully you, I'm bullying you. <laughs> okay. Well, is there anything else that people would be surprised to learn about you? Um, I don't know. I'm an only child. Sometimes okay. that's a little weird because people think um, I am very non-materialistic, like Target's like my favorite store. Yeah. yeah no Louis Vuitton's, none of that fancy, fancy stuff. Okay. Um, that's great. I have, okay, um, I have two like that. I have, I'm a thrift store girl. So most of my outfits are thrift stores. Cause I just love thrifting. Love and um, I'm also super silly and people are surprised to know that like when I'm with friends, like I'm the goofy one. Really? Yeah. I think that I, I yeah. Yeah. I, would be, I'm, I am surprised to learn that. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of, I think, but I love that. I wouldn't have thought you were an only child and only because there's always the stigma of like only children and you're so social and you're so like an encourager to your people, you know? So it's interesting because my daughter is an only child and I would like, I was doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Share, share, share from the very beginning, because I knew like, I know what that's like, that <laughs> it's yours and you want to keep it. And yes. And I was like, I've got to make sure that she shares because it's going to be so challenging for her to have friends. Right. Right. And so she, I think she's kind of a little overgiving, which uh -huh. I'm sure will wear off over time. But, um, but I, I, I've just always been really conscious of it because it was hard for me to share. And I wanted to make sure that that was important. Yeah. Well, I was an only child for eight years, so it was very hard for me to share and yeah. I had to learn that later. Yeah. 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 Okay. So if you weren't working in multifamily, what would you be doing? Um, I would be teaching. Yeah, I could yeah. see that. Yeah. I would be a school teacher or, I mean, I hope that my next, I've had, I had a preschool that we started at the same time we started Q10. That's a whole nother oh story. Gosh, I remember that. Yeah. Run two businesses at a time. Try that. Um, um, and so that was, you know, that was fun, but I, you know, I hope that my next act at some point, if, you know, Q10 goes and does whatever it's going to do, I hope that I'll do some training and, and again, and work on that. So that's what really fills you up then as the teaching people, teaching others. I think so. Yeah. That light bulb going off and really feeling like, you know, I think part of it is a little bit of ego. You feel validated that people think that what you say is important and that they value it. Um, and the other part is hearing the, the success stories. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm feeding it to someone that already knows, right. You oh, hear I, success I, stories. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's the instant um, feedback. Cause sometimes when you don't do it in person or you're just talking to others, 
you don't always get the feedback, but when you're in the class and you see that someone left so encouraged to me, I just was like that feeling that was the high that would keep me going until just until I physically just didn't want to do it anymore. But I miss that part of it. Yeah. And feeling like you're making a difference, right? Like I, I always knew that my purpose in life was to make others want to be better at what they do. Yeah. And so whatever form that takes, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to do that. Like let people know what they're capable of because yeah. we don't. I think we're, I think that's probably something that has always kept us in a good like bond because we're both kind of encouragers. Like we don't yeah. need it to just be about us. Like it's about everybody else. Like I get so excited hearing that somebody the other day shared something and it's somebody that could be a competitor, but she's like 15 years younger. And I'm like, so excited to see yes. just somebody show that like initiative. I haven't seen that in a long time. Oh, so. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's wrap up. I'm just curious. This is probably not happening anytime soon just because of how busy you are, but let's say you wake up tomorrow. Nothing is on your calendar. No commitments. You don't have to do anything. What are you doing that day? Oh, I'm, I'm planning a vacation and trying to go somewhere else. Ah, is that your yeah. thing? Yeah. You know, um, I think we talked earlier about this, about the cruise I'm working on at the yes. end of the year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely an adventurer and I want to do things and go places. So we have the multifamily cruise that I'm doing at the end of the year, which is a little bit of both. Like I figured, how can we take people away from the day-to-day environment that they're in for multifamily and have some fun in that? So we're doing a multifamily cruise for five days in December. How fun. I don't think anybody's done something like that. How no. Fun. And you know, we, we had a really great idea and it was right. Um, we started marketing right when the pandemic hit. And oh, so gosh. that was super exciting. <laughs> that was canceled and postponed for two years. So, uh, we're, we're excited. It, it's, it's a small event, probably 50 to 60 cabins, 150 people or so. Um, but it's going to be a really neat event, I think, and takes you away from the day to day. Um, but also gets you, we're going to be like immerse, immersing people into the multifamily industry with some training and, and challenging environments. How awesome. Well, I'm going to make sure to include all the links for all the things that you guys are doing links to the company. And, um, I just think this has been almost like a, it's almost like a mentorship program that somebody that wants to learn, I feel today got a lot of great actionable tips. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for your thank time. You. Thank you for doing it. I'm so, it's a consistent thing that I look at and I, I, uh, I'm glad to be a part of super proud. So I appreciate it. And I love to see your successes. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. 